Well, welcome to Holy Days podcast again with Pastor Sean Shepherd and myself, Apostle Freddie Riggs. And uh, we're here today to uh, just share with you the Word of God, the readings that are uh, followed along with the Jewish culture of what they'll be reading today. And so, uh, Pastor Sean, take it away. So all around the world, every week, the uh, the Jewish people read certain parashas or certain teachings throughout the Bible, and that's what we'll be doing for the rest of the year, uh, if if we keep it up that long. So <laughs> we we hope to yeah. uh, we hope to bring it to you. Uh, Try to walk along, uh, especially what I'm excited about is as we get into the feast mm-hmm. that we would want to take time to explain the feast that we. Uh, have each year and how that old custom, Old Testament uh, customs would fall in with New Testament teachings. Mm-hmm. And so that's our goal to bring some enlightenment to you. So uh, I'm excited about our teaching and I hope you caught last week's uh, podcast. If not, go back and try to find that one so you'd be uh, right up with us on this. So, Amen. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're at uh, Parsha Vaira and it means I appeared. So we're going to start out, you know, in chapter 6, verse 2. And on the last lesson, we're going to go over a little bit of that. You know, he says, I am Yahweh. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as El Shaddai, which means God Almighty. But I did not reveal my name Yahweh to them. God gave the patriarchs titles, but he never gave them his name. So you got Elohai, you got... Elohim, you got all these other ones that he revealed, but they were all titles. They weren't his name. How many names of God do we have? <laughs> I know there's a lot of names of there's God. There's a lot. There's a whole lot of names. But I think seven are the most popular names. Seven the most popular. Okay. The primary ones, but you got all the ones that, you know, Sitkanu, uh, Rafi, or yeah. Rofi, and the rest of those as well. All right. Every once in a while, I want to trip him up a little bit, <laughs> go somewhere that he hadn't studied yet. <laughs> it's uh, they, they got those primary ones, but throughout the Old Testament, there is a lot of them that we don't have in the English translation. So there is that, and it's uh, what I'll have to do is bring them in on the next podcast. All so. right. <laughs> uh, speaking of the, the last lesson, the, the apostle asked about uh, the names of Moses, and he asked what this name means, and etc. on that. So I brought in some of the names of that everyone called him. And these can be found in the book of Jasher. But uh, Moses' real name was Tov, that they first called him. And it was his Hebrew name. Now his father named him Havar when he saw him. He said, this is a goodly child. This is a friend. Havar is friend. Okay. And then uh, his mother called him Yakutiel. And Yakutiel is called of God. That's what his mother called. She said, this child, I have prayed for this child. I have prayed for a deliverer. And you can find that in the book of Jasher where she talks about that. Uh, Yirid from Miriam, which means dropped because he was. she saw him dropped into the basket hmm. but when they sent him off. And this one's a little bit hard, but you got to think about it. Aaron was young at the time. So Aaron sees his father taking the baby away from the mother and this is how this starts out. And he, he calls him uh, Avi Zanuk, which means father abandoned. So mm-hmm. that one's a little rough. Um, but his nurse called him uh, Avi Sok, 
which means anointed. When she saw him, says there's something special about this boy. Mm. And his grandfather called him Abidor, or uh, and his name was Kohat. That was his uh, grandfather. But those can all be found in the book of Jasher. And now you know why I let Sean pronounce all those names. <laughs> <laughs> Now, in verses 4 and 5, this is God speaking. He said, And I reaffirmed my covenant with them under its terms. I promised to give them the land of Canaan where they were living as foreigners. You can be sure that I have heard the groans of the people of Israel who are now slaves to the Egyptians. So in uh, verses 6 through 8, God says to Moses that he promises the promises he has for the people of Israel and this is where, you know, it uh, goes into a little bit of the cups uh, the, of the Seder Passover meal. So, so we have four stages or four cups. Mm -hmm. Okay. And these are going to be the blessings. I'm going to let the apostle read that to you. Okay. It says here in the scriptures uh, in verse six, therefore says to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will, that's first cup. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, uh, and I will rescue you from their bondage. Number three, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I will take you as my people and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. So there's your four cups right there. Mm -hmm. And then uh, verse eight, it says, I will bring you into a land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. So we have a, a, the, the four cups here uh, that uh, celebrates the covenant, mm -hmm. which is celebrated normally in the time of April mm -hmm. uh, around which feast exactly. So this is the Passover the feast. The Passover feast. Which so, we'll be getting into in our next lesson. Okay. So we're a little bit ahead of ourselves. Mm -hmm. But while we read this passage, we wanted to bring out about these four cups of covenant that they talk about. And it'll be on April 6th this year. So when we get around that time, we'll either have a separate video where we explain this or maybe a Wednesday night where we do the Seder meal. We'll have to see. And then I, I've been trying to talk them into it. We'll see. Uh, uh, we and he just mentioned something. We are planning or trying to plan a Seder meal mm -hmm. on a Wednesday evening here, leading up in that week of Passover. And so we want you to go ahead and mark your calendar to come out that night. And uh, it'll be a little different than this, but we are going to try to have a Seder meal. Mm -hmm. And so, I think it'll be really cool and to see and, that. And we hope to be that morning. Remind you once again. <laughs> so. Um, this outline in those passages and what we read is very much like the end of the age. Mm -hmm. So if you see it and you think about it, he's uh, freeing them from slavery, freeing them from bondage. Uh, he's rescuing them from the evil nation and he's bringing them to a land of promise. So it kind of reflects, you know, the end of Revelation. Well, and it, our lives, he brought us out mm -hmm. of the bondage of sin and he's promised us blessings. And then we have a promised homeland that we're going to, which is heaven. Mm -hmm. And so it is a, a form of the church and this progression of the church, deliverance all the way into eternity with our Lord. Amen. Amen. In verse 10, God tells Moses to go back to Pharaoh. 
And in verse 12, Moses objects, I am a clumsy speaker. <laughs> and then in verse 13, God tells Moses and Aaron to go to Pharaoh and commands them to lead his people out of Egypt. So that's like saying, I'm done listening to this. You're going to do this. It's a command. And in chapter 7, I will make you seem like God to Pharaoh and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. Now, so in ancient Egyptian culture, Pharaoh represented uh, a mediator between the gods and man, and he himself was considered as a god. So he had his magicians were like his prophets. So God's setting this up for them to come in contact with one another, and this is like a show-off, a showdown between gods. Mm -hmm. So God is setting this up to prove to them, your gods are not gods. Okay. So that's kind of what you got to see that's going on here because Moses is being set up to be that image. So, All right. So now we are we moving into the plagues themselves? Very, very shortly. Okay. We're about to have that showdown. So Moses and Aaron go before Pharaoh, and he throws down his staff, and it becomes a snake. And then Pharaoh's magicians, well, we can do that. So they throw down their staffs. They become snakes except something happens they don't expect. Moses' staff swallows up the rest of them. The, the rest of them. So you got to think about to these magicians and astrologers and everybody else in those days, that was an ill omen hmm. right in their face. They knew something's not quite right here, hmm. right there in that moment. Now I'm going to bring up a picture because I want to show you guys what it looked like. And here is Pharaoh's headdress. Now, on the headdress of Pharaoh, it has the snake goddess Wajet was one of the earliest Egyptian deities and was depicted as a cobra. So you see those snakes on top of his head. She was the patroness of the Nile Delta and the protector of all over Egypt. You know, Aaron's staff eating the other snakes was an ill omen. In the end, Aaron was able to pick up his staff, a snake, and it became a staff again. And Nevis says that the... Uh, Magicians were able to do that. So well, their just, snake wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. So if their snake was a snake the entire time and his staff was actually a staff, I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. But, you know, in other words, Moses and Aaron, God is God. The battle is already over. Right there in that moment, it's proving something. All right. So... This, you know, part was duplicated. And then you have it where Moses goes out to touch the waters. Mm -hmm. This is verses uh, 14 through 17. God sends Moses and Aaron to strike the waters of Egypt. Now, when they do this, they turn them to blood. And this goes in the face of the Egyptian gods of uh, Kanom, which is the guardian's river source, Hapi, spirit of the Nile, and Osiris now was considered to be his bloodstream. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, and Konam, he was thought to have created things from a potter's wheel and then place it into a womb. They gave him credit for that. Like he creates these things that he wants for himself. And I'll bring that out later because his wife is going to come into play there. And we'll see that in just a minute. But this plague was actually duplicated by the Egyptians. And you have to think about this because they don't always teach this in you know, the Christian Bibles and things like that, or classes. It, Moses stretched out his staff across the land of Egypt and turned all their rivers and sources to blood. 
but not the land of Goshen. So where did the magicians turn the water to blood? In the land of Goshen. So they went over there and demonstrated that they could do it. However, this is the funny part. After all this is said and done, and, and Pharaoh's heart is hardened, they have to dig for other water sources because every single water pot and everything else in the Egyptian land was turned to blood. So they had to drink, uh, dig for new water source at that point. Hmm. You know, it's interesting on that turning the Nile. I mean, the Nile River. <clears throat> Uh, in 2019, I had a chance to go to Egypt, to Cairo, and uh, I sat uh, on the bank of the, the Nile and had lunch. And uh, to see how massive, how, how wide the river was, how, you know, just it's a, this is not just going out in your backyard and you have a little small stream. This was, this is a massive river, even today. And I don't know what it was that day. Yeah. But uh, it was, I, as I sat there, I thought about looking out and see, seeing that. And I'm trying to imagine it being blood before the eyes of all the people. Mm-hmm. So this was not something, uh, a magic trick of a small area, yeah. but it was the whole river. And as you just stated, it went throughout the whole land with every water source they had. Mm-hmm. So it's a... Uh, when you you get a chance to ever sit and see some of these uh, places like that, and uh, you recall back to mind these things, it's uh, it's like mind blowing just mm-hmm. to see what God does. And I mean these these plagues are not uh, not just minor things. It affected the whole entire land of Egypt, the whole and, ecosystem, so, everything. So wow. And we'll try to get some of those pictures next week because I know he has some. Uh, So we'll try to see if we can't bring those in. But uh, we'll we'll skip on to the next plague. You know, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. He he sent him away. No, I'm not going to let your people go. So in chapter 8, verses uh, 1 through 15, we're going to talk about the next one, which is Haket or Hecht, depending on how you look at it. And... This is her picture. She had a frog head and was considered the goddess of fertility and wife to Nam or Kanam, the guy I mentioned earlier. To the Egyptians, the frog was the symbol of fertility credited with the annual flooding of the Nile. Now, God covering the entire land was a way of God saying, you think this is your God? Mm-hmm. And, you know, interesting, they already had these uh, images and they already had these uh, statues and it was uh, so the these plagues were God was taking what they worshiped mm-hmm. and turning it. You think it like you said, you think this is your God. Look what I can do. Mm-hmm. So uh, it had a, you know, to to us as uh, Westerners and we're uh, trying to go through the scripture. Sometimes we don't see the significance of each one of these plagues and what the statement God was really saying. Mm-hmm. And so this this is powerful. Mm-hmm. It's very powerful. But again, the Egyptians duplicated this plague in the land of Goshen. Now, we don't get taught that, but where are they going to duplicate it? Because all of Egypt was covered with it. Mm-hmm. The only land that was left was the land of Goshen. So they were able to duplicate <clears> that. Um, now we're going to move on to the next one. 
And this is Seb, the Egyptian god of the earth, considered to be the father of snakes, attributed to crop growth and protector of the earth. The so-called god failed to protect the Egyptians from the next plague, lice. Mm-hmm. Lice spread throughout the land, and they weren't able to stop that. This god did not stop that because he's not a real god. And this is the part where I'm going to bring in the next uh, saying. This is going to be our Hebrew saying of the week. We'll bring that up on the screen. Gamze Lutova. Now, Gamze Lutova means this too is for the best. So even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of sometimes you're going through things, this saying means this too, I'm going to have a good attitude about this too is for the best. Mm-hmm. It's to understand that God doesn't put us through things for no reason at all. You know, a scripture I want to <clears throat> trip you up a little bit on to go back to. Mm-hmm. Uh, verse 18, it says, Now the magicians so work with their en- enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. Uh, so there were lice on man and beast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then verse 19 is interesting. The magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. Mm-hmm. So uh, it seems like there is a backing up of the musicians. It seems like, whoa, this is bigger than us, more than us. Uh, what is the finger of God here? What is they so saying? They're saying that uh, there's nothing but God that could have done this. And that's the finger of God reaching down to touch it. And it covered the, all the land, including Goshen. Now, they could not duplicate it, and this is the first time that they couldn't duplicate it. But yet, it still went to the land of Goshen. Right. So we'll see in our next set where God says, okay, enough is enough. I'm not going to put it on the land of Goshen anymore. Well, I don't know about you, Pastor Sean, but myself, I think <clears throat> I'm going to start surrendering here, uh, thinking twice about what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, But we know Pharaoh's heart still hardened, mm-hmm. and we continue on. Nevertheless, nevertheless Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Is always his way. But uh, verses 20 through 32, you've got the gnats and the flies. Now, these plagues come out, and this does not go to the land of Goshen. And, you know, Pharaoh comes to them and says, Please, will you get these away from us? Yeah. Now, this uh, Egyptian god is called uh, Uchit. He's the fly god of Egypt. And he, once again, he proved he was no god. Mm. So uh, Pharaoh pleaded to take away these flies. Moses prayed, the flies left. The Lord removed them. Not a single fly remained. Now, is this the first time that we see Moses prayed that, and God answered on his prayer mm-hmm. in, this, in, in the plagues? In the plagues, uh, this is the first time you see Pharaoh beg that it gets taken away. Okay. So I, I will say it so, that way. So now we can back up to that verse. This is a finger of God. Maybe mm-hmm. there's something in the back of Pharaoh's mind mm-hmm. that is uh, sometimes, okay, maybe this is God. And I just want to stop and say, you know, sometimes we go through a lot of things and trials, and maybe you're going through trials, and, and sometimes you, you're trying to say, well, this is against me, this is against me. But sometimes can it be the finger of God trying to soften our heart uh, to call out to him for prayer. Mm-hmm. And prayer changes things. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, Gamze Lutova. Okay. This too is for my best. And <laughs> uh, at this point, as soon as the flies are gone, and think about this miracle, not a single fly remained, still Pharaoh's heart gets hardened 
And he says, I'm not going to let you go. I refuse to let you go. I like to have this prayer recorded so when summertime, when the flies come, I can pray <laughs> this prayer and get rid of them. Uh, the next one is the disease on cattle. Uh, now, do you remember what the Hebrew word was for this? No, I don't. Uh, you you probably uh, def, uh, fenced off. Is that what you said? It's one of the meanings of it. One of the meanings. The Hebrew word is makala, and the root word for that means to fence off, to bind from the presence of God. Okay. So what might that mean? Well, you know, it can mean several things to us, but, you know, separated, fenced off, uh, out of his presence, uh, you know, and, uh, I, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a lonely place to be. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be fenced off from God. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, every day, that's why it's important that we read his word, draw close, get in his presence mm -hmm. uh, so that, uh, I, I, you know, that's one, one thing I do not want in my life to be fenced off from God, separated from God. And I think it's something that every person needs to every day strive to get closer to God. Mm -hmm. Amen. So uh, so where does this take us? This, this is on the disease on the cattle. This is chapter 9, 1 through 7. Mm -hmm. And God spoke to Moses to warn Pharaoh that if he did not let his people go, God would strike the livestock and not leave, uh, but not a single one of the Israelites' livestock would be taken or diseased or damaged. Now, what would this have done? I mean, Pharaoh was was rolling the dice, taking a gamble, mm -hmm. because the livestock was their food chain, mm -hmm. their food supply. And uh, so uh, this was, you know, a big, big thing here oh, yeah. now. So we, we were looking through these, and it seems like each one of these plagues is giving stronger, more intense, mm -hmm. and now getting into uh, endangering the land. And this here is endangering the, the food chain. Oh, yeah. So I, I would kind of take this moment and kind of just think about it. Is, uh, is this like a prelude to what would happen in the end of days? Because mm -hmm. if it strikes the cattle and we no longer have meat, what would, might that look like? Mm -hmm. The same thing it did to the Egyptians. They didn't have any. Well, you know, here we are uh, in 2023, and uh, there's a lot of uh, things happening in the world that makes us look and question, uh, is the government, are they trying to uh, uh, control food for our land? Now, and we go back to 22, mm -hmm. all of the, the trucking industry and, oh, and the, the ships that set out in the harbor and wouldn't come in, couldn't unload, and... Uh, and I'm not trying to get into government of one party or the other party or nothing like that, but it was hardship. I mean, we went to grocery stores and there was nothing on the shelf. Mm -hmm. And right now, of course, if you they're saying the eggs, so it's uh, you're paying. Uh, I don't know what the price of eggs are. My wife does the shopping, but. Uh, Facebook tells me they're $27 a dozen. So, uh, and I know they're not that, but still, uh, I, there is a sense that we're, our food is being controlled by, by the economy and different things around the world. And the hardship is already put on us. So this year was definitely going to be hardship placed on them. Absolutely. And that's the way you got to kind of look at all the, each one of these plagues is like a prelude 
or a representation of what we're going through because we're heading into those times. And one thing I didn't mention in the previous lesson, the very first thing that they did to the Israelites was tax them. Yeah. And that tax heavily, and it just got worse and worse as time went on as they were slaves. But uh, once again, you know, Pharaoh is having none of it. Mm -hmm. He doesn't repent. But uh, this plague went into the face of these gods, Ptah, Hathor, Nevis, Ammon, and all of these uh, Egyptian gods were associated with bulls and cows. Mm -hmm. So once there's God proven, they're not God. They're not your source. They never were. Mm -hmm. And the next plague is uh, through Exodus chapter 9, 8 through 12, and it's boils. So the Lord told Moses and Aaron to take a handful of soot and from a brick kiln and have Moses toss it into the air and Pharaoh witness it. And when they did this and the ashes spread like fine dust all over the land, it causing festering boils to break out on people and animals, everything. And so it did. Hmm. And, and then Pharaoh still refused to listen. But, you know, he begged once again to both of these, take these away. So Moses would go and pray, yes, I'll let your people go. And then after everything's gone, no, I'm not going to let them go. So the plagues before were nuisance and hardships, mm -hmm. touched their economy, mm -hmm. and now he's touching their physical health. Mm -hmm. And it says it even touched, touched the magicians and the people of his court. Mm -hmm. The boils touched everything. Yeah. So this went into the face of the gods of Egypt, uh, Sekhmet, uh, Serapis and Imhotep. Uh, these were the gods. Uh, Sekhmet was the goddess of epidemics, and Serapis and Imhotep was the god of healing, or supposedly. And they couldn't stop this. So they, they was no match for God. No match for these, God in these plagues. So this is, had should have ended right here. Pharaoh should have. Uh, you would think. And yeah. at this point, his magicians couldn't even appear in the court because mm -hmm. they were afflicted. Mm -hmm. So they weren't even there. Anymore. So now Pharaoh is, is all alone by himself. Mm -hmm. In his court, all he's got is him and his guards and, you know, negotiating with Moses and Aaron, acting like he's still the one in charge. Mm -hmm. So this is where we get to the hail. And this one was going to bring up on the uh, screen for you. And we'll read through it and... Exodus 9, 13 through 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, Get up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh. Tell him this is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says. Let my people go so they can worship me. If you don't, I will send more plagues on you and your officials and your people. Then they will know that there is no one like me on the earth. By now, I could have lifted my hand and struck you and your people with a plague to wipe you off the face of the earth. So in that particular passage, he's not playing around. No, serious now. Mm -hmm. Sixteen through nineteen. But I have spread you for I have spared you for a purpose to show you my power and to spread my fame throughout the earth. But you still lord it over my people and refuse to let them go. So tomorrow at this time, I will send a hailstorm more devastating than any in all the history of Egypt. Quick, order your livestock and servants to come in from the fields to find shelter. Any person or animal left outside will die. Now, in that particular passage, he's warning them, mm -hmm. and it's they had a chance, but some didn't listen. But, well, the next verse we'll get into to this. Uh, 
And it's going to explain a little bit that even though they weren't listening, mm -hmm. they did heed to this warning mm -hmm. because we're going to read that here in this next verse. Oh, so, yeah. so uh, what's if they're if they're not obeying God, but now they're at least he's got their attention. They're heeding to what he's saying. Don't you think this surely with the, the last straw, the last moment? You, you would think. Yeah. But see, God, you know, was allowing uh, Pharaoh's heart to be hardened. Now, his magicians, his astrologers, his court, they're all out of the picture. They 100% know this is the finger of yeah. God. Wow. But let's, let's read verse 20 there. Okay. <clears throat> Some of Pharaoh's officials were afraid because of what the Lord had said. They quickly brought their servants and their livestock in from the fields. But those who paid no attention to the word of the Lord left theirs out in the open. Wow. So we still have some that are rebellious, mm -hmm. but that many are starting to cross over. Yes. All right. Then the Lord said to Moses, lift your hand towards the sky so hell may fall on the people, the livestock, and all the plants throughout the land of Egypt. So Moses lifted his staff towards the sky, and the Lord sent thunder and hail and lightning and flash towards the earth. The Lord sent a tremendous hell storm all against the land of Egypt. Never in the history of Egypt had there been a storm like that, with such devastating hell and continuous lightning. Verse 25, it left all of Egypt in ruins. Hail, the hail struck down everything in the open field, people, animals, and plants alike. Even the trees were destroyed. The only place without hail in the region of Goshen, where the people of Israel lived. Then Pharaoh quickly summoned Moses and Aaron, and this time he says, I have sinned. He confessed, the Lord is the righteous one and my people and I are wrong. Please beg to the Lord to end this terrifying thunder in hell. We've had enough. I will let you go. You don't need to stay any longer. You know, that is so powerful. Mm -hmm. And uh, this this was definitely had, you know, just thinking about the hailstorm. Uh, you know, we had some hail about a week and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was just showing Becky yesterday, we have our holly bushes out front. It, they're bushes, but there's no leaves on them now. And they normally say uh, leaf, green leaves year round. But the hail that we had a couple knocked off so much of the leaves off of those. And a, another tree in the back is just uh, like, wow. And that was a small hailstorm. Mm -hmm. This was something major. Fabro mm -hmm. here says, I've sinned, and, uh, you know, beg. Now it's not asking. He's begging. He's begging. Uh, but this this should be the end. Mm -hmm. This should have been the end. It should have been the end. And uh, you were telling and sharing something with me just starting into this about how in Revelations that they only talk about the six or the seven bowls mm -hmm. as a parallel to the these plagues. Mm -hmm. So uh, is this the time to share a little of that or we want to wait just a no, little bit? We can bit? go ahead. In uh, chapter 17 and 18 in Revelations, it talks about these bowls being poured out. But at this point where it's talking about uh, that seventh bowl, uh, these cities and places are being destroyed on the earth. It talks about mystery Babylon mm -hmm. being destroyed and decimated. Now, in the, the Jewish commentaries, okay. they say that in this Egyptian plague, the hail 
was actually around 100 pound hail from the recorded events. Right. From the history they found, 100 pound hail. That is well beyond what we can consider. We've never seen anything like that. You know, uh, I remember a few years back, they, they had baseball size hail. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember some saying they were a pound. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, but wow, going into a uh, hundred pound, right. and that may have been a half a pound, they said, I, uh, sometime back, but a hundred pound yeah. hailstone. You can imagine what that would do to a city. Yeah. So what that would do to a building, even made of, of stone, uh, or, you know, could it knock them over, you know, and, and not, uh, not everything in, in, uh, Egypt at that time was made of stone. No. You know, that was made of a brick, just like the Egyptians was making out there in the mud and the clay. Absolutely. So it was uh, an earth brick and, uh, and that, that could destroy that. Very easily. As a matter of fact, it says it destroyed all the crops except the wheat because it hadn't started budding yet. Interesting. What about the, the children of Israel? The land of Goshen did not have a single piece of hell drop on it. Yeah. Not one piece. God protected his people. Amen. So this went into the face of the uh, goddess uh, Nut and Isis and Seth, the agricultural deities. But Nut was the one over the goddess of sky and Shu is the god of the atmosphere. So clearly they weren't God once mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. And Pharaoh once again begs them to, uh, to leave, take your people and go. And then as soon as they pray and everything's taken away, Moses goes out of the city, Pharaoh changes his mind again. Once again. So what do you get out of all of this? Well, you know, God is uh, patient with his people. And, uh, and, you know, here, God was establishing he is God. And that... Uh, man's heart. Sometimes when God does a miraculous for man, they still turn their heart against God. And as a pastor over the years, I've seen people come to the Lord. I've seen the Lord uh, do great healings in their, their bodies. I've seen God deliver people uh, and just many things. But just a short time later, they, they turn away from God or they quit coming to church, or things of that nature, and uh, even tried to rationalize that, well, maybe I didn't really have that sickness the doctor said mm -hmm. I had after all. So uh, <clears throat> in a sense, people go back and harden their hearts. They're, uh, they, they still want to do things their way. And Pharaoh here, even though he recognized that God is God and the Almighty and in control, Pharaoh still did not want to relinquish his own control. And I think he still wanted to stay in authority. And uh, and he just couldn't get the fact that Moses got the best of him. <laughs> or Moses as God had got the best of him. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it's a lesson for us today that as we uh, draw close to God and, and we see the hand of God, and there's things that in my life that's undeniable that it was only God that has, has done this. And I think that's, uh, the people should have seen this is undeniable, the hand of God. Well, he took most of the rest of my message. <laughs> that's really good. Um, 
Would you say, you know, there are people who they, they get into church sometimes and they they want what they want because they want it. I'll say it that way. And they're not seeing what they want to come from God yet. So they go out, they find what they want on their own, and then they attribute it to God and show off to everybody, hey, this is this was from God. And then later it comes tumbling apart. Yeah. Have you seen that in your... I've seen time? that. <clears throat> and this past Sunday, I had the opportunity to, to preach. And uh, one of the statements I made, uh, a lot of uh, people today want to say, I did it my way. And uh, I think that is a very dangerous thing. You know, even in building the church, uh, we didn't do it our way. We, we, we pray, ask God to lead and direct us. And, uh, you know, sometimes it looks like we may take the credit, but it's God. Mm-hmm. that does it and uh, uh, we go through trials we go through circumstances only to make us stronger uh, and I believe God uh, you know we don't know the future <clears throat> we don't know what God has for us uh, a year from now or two years from now and we know he wants to bless us uh, but sometimes we ha- we struggle following God. This morning in our Bible, early Bible's readings, uh, I was reading in, in Genesis and uh, God had promised Jacob, now I will bless you. Uh, go back to your brother Esau. I will, I will show, I will be kindly to you. And, uh, but as Jacob got closer to Esau, fear came upon him and he saw Esau coming with his 400 soldiers and uh, Jacob begins to panic and separate his flocks, move his wife and his children across the river. And uh, Jacob uh, is doubting God. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that has a lot to do with the wrestling with God. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wrestle with God on a day-to-day basis when we don't follow his will. And, uh, you know, I don't want to wrestle with God. In other words, I don't want to fight against God. I want God to lead and direct me. And... Uh, what I'm going through today sometimes uh, might look fearful, sometimes may not meet my fleshly needs, should I say it that way. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but uh, I know I'm going through it for a purpose and that God has a bigger plan for us all and that if we serve him and follow after him, then we're going to come out victorious. And so uh, one of the things in these lessons, uh, if you're going through a trial, Surrender to God. Let him have his way in your life. Uh, Turn to him today because uh, as we can see in these lessons, you're not going to trump God or outdo God. Uh, He is the the God uh, and he's going to get the the last word. Amen. And, uh, you know, I just encourage people to to consider this. This is one thing that I try to teach young people. And it's, it's simply this. You know, God speaks to us through a still, small voice. And we have to pay attention and listen. Because in the world today, we have so many voices yelling at us. Mm -hmm. And we have so many thoughts yelling at us. And I would go as far as to say and to warn people, sometimes not everything you think is you. True. Sometimes there are things speaking to you that never came from you trying to influence you. You know, we have to understand the enemy, he sees potential in everything we do. 
and the enemy wants to stop. And uh, I ask you to pray for us uh, for this podcast that uh, we can continue because uh, as we get in and we teach you things, the enemy is not going to want this podcast out there. No. And uh, so uh, we encourage you to pray for us, but I encourage you as you watch the podcast and you listen to it, share it. Every share you that you make reaches more people. And uh, hopefully that we, we're not doing this just to have a following, but to get the word to teach people Amen. that uh, God has a plan and uh, his plan is uh, moving along whether we move with it or not. And we just want to be a part of what God's doing. Amen. Well, we bless you today. We hope the best for you. And uh, Apostle, why don't you lead us out in a prayer? Father, we thank you uh, for this day. We thank you for the teachings. And Father, we thank you that uh, uh, you warn us just as you warn Pharaoh of things coming, Lord Father God, you do put roadblocks. Let us uh, be sensitive to see those roadblocks. Lord, let us not take offense, Lord Father God, but Lord, let us uh, surrender to your will. And Lord, I pray for the people today, whatever battle they're going through, whatever struggle they're having today, whatever they think or see against them, let them recognize the enemy is attacking them and let them call out to you as even Pharaoh begged Moses to pray. Let them pray to you, Lord Father. Deliver them, set them free, Lord Father, and bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Gadol Elohai Shalom. Great is our God. God bless you till next week.